do we equip our families with a biblical worldview? How do we prepare the next generation for life? How do I grow in my walk with the Lord and in my marriage? If you wrestle with these questions, you are in the right place to find answers. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rutherford, and I'm excited today because I have with me Mike Novotny. He is a pastor at The Core, which is a church in downtown Appleton, Wisconsin. He is a spiritual leader, lead speaker for Time of Grace, which is a media ministry, and he's an author. Uh, he's a husband, father. Most of all, he is a Christ follower. Two quick items before we get to our interview. First, if you go to our website at entrustingthefaith.com, scroll down to the bottom, sign up for our weekly emails so you know who is coming up on the podcast for the week and who you may have missed the previous week. Uh, you'll also get a free resource when you do, and you can find all our other podcasts on our website while you're there. Feel free to scroll through them, find other interviews uh, to really help you along the way. Uh, second, this episode is just brought to you by my book, Leading While at Home, How Husbands and Fathers Can Biblically Lead Their Families. So if you've ever thought, man, I want to be a godly husband or father, I don't know where to start, or you've heard that you need to do something to equip your family, but you just don't know where to begin, well, if this is you or you know anybody you know, Leading While at Home will show you how you can love Jesus Christ, love and serve your wife and children, and take responsibility for discipling your family. You'll be encouraged and given action steps that you can apply so that you're moving forward. Okay, now let's jump into today's episode. So thankful to have you on the show today, Mike. Welcome. Thanks, Eric. Great to be here. Uh, it, is, it is my pleasure. Now, um, just kind of jumping in, you have written a book. Uh, you've written several books, but the one we're talking about today is The Power of Devoted Prayer. So what, what kind of prompted you to write this book? Yeah. Uh, what prompted me, I actually co-wrote this book. So I want to give props to my uh, co-author, Mark Jeske. He was the founding speaker of Time of Grace, the media ministry I'm a part of. Um, I got involved with the book basically because I am pathetically and illogically bad at praying. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the confession I make on the, the first line. Like I, I stink. And I'm not just saying that to be humble and, you know, we're all sinners and we're all terrible. Like when I compare my church life and my devotional life at home, generosity, evangelism, hospitality, like if I had to rank those by their strength, um, I sometimes say my prayer life would be like the Detroit Lions of the NFC. <laughs> so if someone's listening to this in a future world and the Lions are Super Bowl champs, that might not make sense. But right now they're like pathetically at the bottom. So Yeah. You know, as much as prayer is promoted and encouraged from cover to cover in the Bible, I'm 40 years into following Jesus, and it has just constantly been a struggle to do it, to prioritize it, to get excited about it. So I wanted to kind of jump in and, and write a book and see if I could turn the corner just a, a little bit and get better at prayer. Yeah, and that makes sense. And and like you say, it's it's something that you know theoretically it's we should be able to do fairly easy, but it's sometimes life, a lot of things just get in the way. So is that kind of the problem you were trying to solve just to really give people a, a way to get into prayer? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I've been trying to peel back the layers. Like why, 
you know, I would love to say, well, I'm just too busy to pray. But that's the bad thing about having an iPhone these days. It like tracks all the things that you do. Have you noticed this? This is the most depressing part of my day when I look at like, I did not spend that much time looking at the news today. So, you know, I, I make time for things. It's not like I'm so frantic. I can't, I make time for Netflix and TV and looking at my phone and all these other things. So I tried to peel back the layers and ask, you know, why am I so far from being like a prayer warrior? What, what is it about this that's different than going to church or listening to Christian music or podcasting? I love Christian podcasting. Like what, what is different about this? And I think the answer for me was, it is just really hard to believe that prayer actually changes things. So I, I don't believe that on paper. If you gave me a test, I went circle prayer does not change things. But, you know, you can pray a lot about something and you don't see anything change. Or you could pray like very little about something and all these kind of things change. So just that, that basic belief that God is serious when he attaches these promises to prayer, whether we can see them or not, that, that's just really hard to hold on to. And I forget it so quickly. So this little book, The Power of Devoted Prayer, is you know a prayer journal with some questions and prayer prompts. But more than anything, it's 45 daily devotions that just get us back to these truths and promises of God saying time and time again, I'm serious. <laughs> like prayer works. Um, every word is heard. Like incense going up to heaven, prayer reaches God and it's sweet to God. So I just need to like drum this through my stubborn heart. Like, yes, this is not in vain. Whether it's today, tomorrow, or something better 10 years from now, every time you pray in Jesus' name, it's powerful and it's effective. I like that. And, and I too, I've, it, it's good for me to hear you say that. It's good for me to, you know, to read that as well. Because like, yeah, I forget that, that every prayer that we ask is heard. Yeah. Uh, but but I think what you you also kind of were talking about where sometimes he doesn't answer in a visible way, hmm. in the way that we, either we expect or so that we can visibly see it, yeah. um, in the time that in and in the time frame that we want to see it in. Sure. So I, I, yeah, I think that's the hard part sometimes is man, I'm praying, but I don't see anything changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually preaching this Sunday. This didn't make it into the book but I'm preaching on prayer just in a couple of days here. And um, cause we're getting close to Christmas uh, when we're recording this podcast, we're doing Luke chapters one and two for our sermon series this year. So I'm preaching on old Zechariah going into the temple and he's standing before the altar of incense. And, you know, Gabriel shows up and says, you and Elizabeth are having the baby. And there's this really interesting line that I never connected this, that the altar of incense in the, in the temple was placed right in front of the curtain of the most holy place where God's presence was. And every single day, twice a day, morning and evening, a priest had to come inside, light the incense. And I actually, my coworker, he, he made a replica of the altar of incense as a prop for me to preach on. And I just went downtown in our city to the local smoke shop and brought a bunch of incense. There's a lot of other things in the local smoke shop for the record. I was not aware of this. And so I lit this stick of incense and it is just incredible, this sweet smelling, like wafting smoke that like goes up to the heavens. And that had never struck me before because we can't see prayer and its effects in, in the temple system and in the tabernacle two times a day, 
every single day of the year, morning and night, God had this visual way of saying, nope, prayer reaches me and, and prayer is sweet to me. You know, you love the smell of this incense. I love the sound of your voice. It's not annoying. It's not an interruption. It's not our father in heaven on his phone yelling at us as kids like, what? <laughs> you know, so that, that, that struck me. So I've been, I've been going around my house, like smelling candles more than ever. Like the, the sweetness of these scents was God's object lesson for, I mean, how many years since the days of Moses, 1500 years, God was trying to, to tell his people, no, 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 don't be deceived. Prayer always works. And every single word is heard. Wow. That, you know, I can't, I, I have never really thought about it in that context, and as, as you're describing it, I can think of candles in our home and, and just that's, and just the, the image that you're describing and it's, I've never really put prayer in that perspective. Yeah. And yet, like you say, that's exactly what, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I had thought before about in the temple, there was the, the big candle stick. I forget what they called that, you know, like God is the light of the world. Or there was the big basin with water because God washes away our sins. Or there's the altar of sacrifice because Jesus is the sacrifice for the sins of the world. But that, that was really the one piece of furniture that I hadn't thought much about. And there weren't that many. God, you know, God has like eight things in the temple. And one of them was really about prayer. And so Psalm, I think it's Psalm 141 verse 2 says, let my prayer rise before you as incense. So that, that just struck me. And I'm hoping that little reminder and sniffing a whole bunch of candles this holiday season is going to help me just a little bit with my prayer life. No, absolutely. And, you know, as you're, as you're sharing this with me, it definitely, it makes me think, and I, I know going forward, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, that's, that's a, 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 that visual image of what prayer looks like. We're not simply just speaking into the ether or, you know, writing in a, in a journal that no one's ever going to read, but mm -hmm. it is, it is this visible, real upward movement to God. Yeah. It's I amazing. Huh? That. Man, how many, I'm, I'm a pastor for 14 years. Like, how did I miss that? It's uh, a, <laughs> do you ever do that with the Bible? It's like, Oh, I've, I've been reading this book for a while. How that was right there on the page. And it's not like a secret. I just had to think about it for two minutes and then, Oh man, major light bulb that I've been missing for all too long. No, no, I agree. That's the thing. You you keep going back to God's word and it it just continues to, you know, God continues to to speak and reveal himself because he is so much bigger than we are and what we can comprehend. Mm -hmm. And so um I yeah. love that. That's I cool. Love I, that. I love it with my kids too. They haven't heard this sermon yet. Um, so it's gonna be fresh for them. But I, I know a lot of families listen to your podcast. Just what a, what a simple way to teach kids, smell this candle, light this candle, look at that smoke. Like object lessons are, I think they're golden for whatever age you are, but especially if you're a, a mom or dad raising a kid, kids struggle with abstractions, right? So pray, well, like how does prayer work and get to God? So just to give them something that concrete, which is easy to do for anyone who has a candle in their house. So I'm going to, I can't wait to teach my kids this lesson. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing it with mine as well and with my wife. And because, you know, I, I, you know, I come downstairs and I smell you know, a candle burning and it's like, oh, you can, it's very clear it, that scent is, is wafting and emanating everywhere. Mm -hmm. 
and and that's that's what our prayer does so i love that yeah oh so what kinds of things you know we we seek to pray you know we we things keep us from praying but what are things that we miss uh if we don't pray or even when we do i mean because we you know sometimes we go through the motions but yet there's more to prayer than just speaking yeah yeah it struck me like I think we get really motivated to pray and we get it when we can answer two simple questions. The first question would be, who am I? And the second question would just be, who is God? So I was preaching about a year ago on Jesus was talking about prayer and having the faith of a child. And I was thinking like, what is it about children that Jesus said, like, they're the greatest in the kingdom of God. And I was thinking about being a a younger parent before I had all these gray hairs and wrinkles on my face, (laughs) you know, and and my kids, they're uh, like teenagers now, but when they were just, you know, little kids that we'd slide in the grocery cart and take out to the store, like my kids would talk to me constantly in the grocery store. They'd see the cookies and they'd talk to dad. They'd see like the beanie babies and they talked to dad. We'd, (laughs) we'd make another run down the cookie aisle and they would talk to dad. You know, it was just like, daddy, 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 daddy. Like they would constantly communicate with me. And I was thinking about that, like, why did they talk so much? I I think one of the reasons is because they knew that if I didn't buy it, they couldn't get it. Right? So children, why do children say, pick me up? It's because they physically can't, they can't get to that level unless you pick them up. Why do they say, you know, dad, would you buy me this toy? Because they're broke. (laughs) It's like, if the one who has the resources doesn't do something for them, that thing is not going to get done. And so I was thinking about prayer. Like, what do I think of myself? Do I think as I go through this day that I can, you know, I'm a middle-aged guy. I kind of know how life works. Am I capable of handling this day without help? If I think yes, I'm not going to pray that much. Like, Hey, I've, I've preached a thousand sermons. I can get up on Sunday and like, yeah, I can talk about this without any help. Or if I say with the faith of a child, like, God, I, I can't, I can't make people believe this stuff. I, I'm so, for, I forget where I put my phone sometimes. I could forget all the things that I wrote and memorized. Like, help me remember, God, if you don't stir people's hearts, that they're going to, they're going to harden their hearts and reject your word. No one's going to believe it. No one's going to put it into practice. Like, and now I'm getting desperate in prayer. Like, God, if you don't show up. So I'm talking to my father, just like my kids used to talk to me because I'm so dependent on his answer. And the more I expand that, the more I realized, wow, I'm really dependent for everything. Can I, can I make the eight minute drive back to my house without God's protecting hand? Like I I can't control the other 157 drivers that are going to cross, you know, half of them looking at their phones, returning texts. Like God, if you don't keep me safe, I'm not going to be safe. If you don't keep me humble in a conversation with my wife, I'm going to be moody or selfish or make a mountain out of a molehill. So, you know, just unpacking that idea, who am I? I'm just a weak, forgetful, sinful human being. And if my father doesn't show up to protect me, bless me, equip me, everything's going to fall apart. And so recently I've been writing on the top of my sermons, just two words, I can't. And every time I get up at the pulpit to preach, it's like, God, what I want to do today 
glorify you and bring people to faith. Like I, I am simply incapable of doing it. So you got to show up or nothing's going to happen. So I think answering that question, like, who am I? And then secondly, I've been talking about it already, but who is God? He's the one who listens. He loves to answer prayer. He's powerful. He's loving. He commands angel armies. He gives and strengthens faith. So yeah, sorry for the ramble. Putting all that together, answering those two questions, I think really helps me remember why I need to pray and why God invites me to pray. That makes, I mean, that is a a beautiful picture. And it's it's something I think we don't like to acknowledge. The Mm. fact that, you know, we when you get right down to it, we have so little control. I mean, we, we think we, we think we have a lot more control than what we do. Like you say, driving home, I'm, I got the steering wheel, I got the pedals, I'm driving on the road, I'm in control, but you're not in control of the other vehicles. You're not in control of, of the deer and the, all the other animals and, you know, that can run across your path. So, um, there's so much that we're not in control of. And, and I love that remembering who we are and remembering who God is. And, and that, that puts that perspective. And like you say, then it's like, I, I can't change people's hearts. I can't, I'm going to mess things up on my own. Um, yeah. My pride gets in the way so much. And so I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I love yeah, think that. About, think about parenting from that perspective. Like, we're all trying to raise our kids in the way they should go, but you can't control your kids' hearts. You know, God can change their affections, but you're, <laughs> I mean, we're just like middle-aged dads trying to say the right things and not be bad examples. <laughs> so, oh God, please, 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 please do what I can't. Like I, I can read the book. I, I can do the prayers before dinner, but I can't, I can't make them love you more than they love the things of this world. So you have to show up or none of this, it's all going to be in vain unless you come and build up their faith. It's true. And that's a you know a great example because yeah, that's, you know, and as, as parents, if you're listening and you know, the, the reality is whether you've, you've thought about it or not, you know, we can influence our children, but we can't save our children. Hmm. And so that's, that's God. And, and so, yeah, we, we are totally dependent on him to do um, what only he can do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's, I, I love that perspective uh, and how you described it. So how do we, so we've got a perspective on God. We know who we are. We know who God is. Hmm. We, so now we pray. How do we know? Can we know if we're doing it right? <laughs> yeah, good, good question. I was actually thinking, um, so my youngest daughter, Maya is 12. I think she's in those last just sweet, like snuggling up in daddy's lap days. I, I hope God like extends that forever and ever. Although it would be kind of awkward if she was 37. And <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, she, she loves it when I tuck her in for bed. Uh, I don't know, as I was communicating with this daughter that I love, and as she's communing with the dad that she loves, I don't know that once we think about, are we doing this right? Like we're, we're just talking <laughs> like she talks. Cause she knows I love her. I listen because I do love her. I'm not pulling out like a little checklist to make sure 
she's used the right up like balance of verbs and nouns or the, the timing's right. Yeah. So it's, I think we, I don't know if that's the, the enemy wanting to psych ourselves out and just make us forget the basics that like God is the best listener ever. He, he's not a critic or a judge. He's a, a father in, he's a sinless father in heaven. Second Corinthians says, our God is full of compassion. Um, Psalm 46, he's an ever-present help in trouble. First John 4, God is love. So if we're speaking to someone who's there, who always has time, who loves it when we pray, and who is full of so much love, like, am I doing it right? That, that question just kind of goes out the window. Like, he is so unconcerned about that. He, If a mother whose son goes off to college loves the sound of that son's voice when he calls, and she's a sinful mother. How much more <laughs> does a perfect father love it whenever we call upon him in prayer? I, I that makes so much sense, and and I agree. I think we can we can sort of make prayer too hard sometimes. Hmm. It's like, like as you say, it, it is this conversation, this ongoing conversation with uh, with our heavenly Father, just like. Yeah. You know, just like you said, like in the grocery cart, when your kids are there and they're just chatting away and they're in the backseat of the car and, you know, you're taking them somewhere and they talk for 20 minutes and like, <laughs> they don't stop. Like, I, I don't even know if they're breathing. You, they're just talking. Um, but that, but that's, but they know they feel safe and mm. they know they can. Yeah. And so, um, so, it, you know, speaking of children, what's, what is one way that we can pray for our children mm-hmm. um, and, and, and effectively, like what, what is something that, that's like, ooh, this is something we can pray for them for? Yeah. I was in the habit for a long time. I've been out of it maybe for a couple months. I don't know why. But every morning when I would wake up, I would pray the words of Psalm 90 verse 14. So that's the the one psalm I think that Moses wrote in the book of Psalms. And Psalm 90 verse 14, uh, I'll I'll tell you what it says, and then I'll break it down how how I prayed it. Um, Verse 14 says, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. So as soon as I came to consciousness, as fast as I could, I would try to pray that slowly. And I'd break it down like this. I'd say, you know, satisfy us, God. Like, let this thing be enough for us to have joy today and peace today. Like, we might not have a perfect work day, a perfect school day. The weather might be bad. Our health might be bad. The news might be bad. But I'm asking you to satisfy our souls right now. Satisfy us. So, Father, I'm not praying that you would just satisfy me. Those two little girls that I hear brushing their teeth and stumbling out of bed to go to school, like they're going to get too much homework in one class and someone's going to say something mean to them in another class. And they're going to wish they wouldn't have said that to one of their friends at recess. So so God, don't just satisfy me with your love today. Satisfy us with your unfailing love because the kind of love that you have, it never fails. Like everything else is temporary and questionable, but you've guaranteed this rock solid promise. So satisfy us in the morning. I missed that part. Like, I don't want to wait till lunch for this. I don't want to be restless and discontent. Oh, but then at noon, you'll satisfy me. Like, no, right now in the morning, I'm awake. You're awake, God. 
And that became just such a beautiful prayer that was deeply spiritual. It, it just focused on things that the Bible cares about the most. And it was so easy for me to pray. I, you know, I'm a novice in prayer. So just t- taking a verse, a half a verse like that, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Amen. Out of bed. I just love praying that over my kids. I like that because it's, it's, it's very direct. It's not a, it's not complicated, but yet you are, you are asking for that, which is really most important, Hmm. right? To be, to find all of our satisfaction uh, in the Lord, that, that whatever it is, he would, you know, that he would satisfy us Hmm. um, because, you know, he is a perfect father. Uh, mm-hmm. with perfect love. And um, no, I love that. And, and just praying, praying that for our, for our children. And so as, you know, as we're praying is as, as a Christ follower, what makes that prayer so important? Is it that, is it that ongoing communication with God? Is it that, that remembering kind of as what you said earlier, remembering who we are and who God is, um, is that what makes uh, prayer so important for believers, or is it something different? What? How would you? How do you see that? Yeah, I mean, if you read through the New Testament, Jesus is pretty adamant that some blessings only happen when we pray. So there are some things that you only get when you ask. There are some doors that don't just open magically; they open when you knock on them. <laughs> Because the person on the other side loves to open the door. Um, is it the book of James? I'm forgetting James four. Maybe you have not because you asked not. So, and it actually makes sense to me. If imagine for a second, if all the things we want, God just gave them and we never had to pray about them. I'm guessing what would happen is that we would commit one of the gravest sins is to love the created things instead of the creator. You know, so Romans one just talks about the worst thing that can happen to the human heart is that you love and trust in and rely upon created things. So it it makes sense to me that there are some really good blessings that God wants to give, but if he just gives them without us having this conversation, we're just going to forget about him altogether. But if he kind of has the system where I call upon him in Jesus name, he delivers me. And then I honor him as this great, glorious God who's all I really need at the end of the day. Ah, now we got there. All right, so Psalm 50, 15. I think that was the first verse I memorized as a kid on prayer. Call upon me in the day of trouble, God says. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Oh, okay. So you get an answer to your troubles and you end up honoring me, worshiping me as a glorious, satisfying God. So it's a a win-win proposition when we come to him in prayer. Now that makes perfect sense that, you know, we, uh, like you said, they, without prayer, if we're just, if we get stuff, if we get blessing, however it is, we need to attribute that to the creator and not find that, you know, not, not find the joy in the stuff. Yeah. And, and so I, I like that. Uh, I, I need that reminder that it is, you know, we cry out to him and he provides and he takes care and it does glorify him because, you know, we, we say thank you and we praise him. And it's, you know, like, like yesterday, we, we've been having trouble with our minivan and, and like I, the battery died and I took it and the battery was fine, except the car didn't run. And 
I mean, as simple as that is, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm on the way home. I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm clueless. We've, we've had several issues with it and just please help Lord. I don't know how to fix it. And, mm-hmm. and he provided a solution that was mm-hmm. fairly easy that I didn't know of ahead of time. So, I mean, that may seem small, um, but it's the big and the small we, we bring to him. And so I, I need to remember that it's not on me to do it all. <laughs> yeah. 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 We just weren't made to carry that load. Remember that there's a great prayer promise in first uh, Peter five, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Um, I actually learned in a uh, studying for a message, I think in the last year, the verb there cast, it only shows up two times in the whole new Testament. Um, in the original Greek language, one is in this verse. So all of your anxiety about your, the battery of your minivan or about your kid's salvation, like all of that cast it. The other time it's used in the New Testament is where the disciples cast their cloaks over the donkey that Jesus rides on Palm Sunday. And what struck me was when the disciples put their their cloaks or their coats on the donkey, they didn't keep like one arm in the sleeve and throw the other half of the cloak over the donkey. It wasn't like, okay, donkey, you get half of this. And I'll get the other half. No, cast meant like it's off of me and it's onto the donkey. And I love that picture because you you go back to the other passage and God is saying, hey, I want you to pray. And prayer isn't like, I'll put my arm around you and we'll carry this load together. Nope. <laughs> no, God, God cares so much. He's like, just get, get it off. Like, put the ball in my court and trust it to me. I hear you. I love you. I'll take care of it. I don't want you to carry this. So yeah, the, the more I just dig into these passages on prayer, just it makes me love God so much, it makes me want to pray. It makes me want to try for the hundredth time to be better at this prayer thing. Cause it, it's just stunning. It God should charge us for prayer. <laughs> yeah, if it'd be like a hundred dollars an hour, that would be a good deal, but it's totally free in Jesus' name, which is just a, such a great invitation. That is so true. It it is. And I think you I think you mentioned, you kind of touched on something there too. It's like this, it's like practice as well, right? So the more, the more we pray, the more, the more we see the benefit, the more we learn how to do it, the more, you know, it becomes that, that, that discipline, that habit. And so, um, but I love that image of casting, literally let it, let it fly, right? You don't, you don't hold on to it. You're not involved. You just, okay, Lord, I'm praying it's in your hands. Yeah. Uh, I love that. So what's something, you know, as we think with, about our children, um, how can we teach them to pray? And then if, if we struggle with prayer, you know, so some people are, are listening going, yeah, it's great, Eric. Yeah, I, I want to know how to teach my children to pray. I'm struggling with prayer, or maybe they're doing fine with prayer. But either way, it's how do I teach my children to pray? And especially how do I teach them if I am struggling with prayer yeah. and, and committing that time to the Lord? Does that question make sense? I was sort of all over the board it, there. It absolutely does. Um, it is such good news when you read the Bible that all the people who taught us anything besides Jesus struggled with everything. You know, if you had to be great at this, the apostle Paul would not have written 13 books of the new Testament because <laughs> he's confessing. I'm like the worst sinner that I know. 
So that's so encouraging to me. I mean, God, God isn't asking me, hey, you can only talk to your kids about the stuff that you're great at. <laughs> so I might be just a half a step ahead of them, but God has still empowered us as parents to teach our children. As far as practically, how do we do that? I, I We have to be careful because you know prayers can be routine and robotic, but I think going really, really deep on the prayer that Jesus actually taught us to pray is second to none. Actually, a whole bunch of this little uh, devotional book here, The Power of Devoted Prayer, is about unpacking the Lord's Prayer. Just like teaching our kids, our Father in heaven. All right, let's think, what is a father? Why does God want to be called father? And what does it mean that he's our father and not just his father or her father or their father? But there's that possessive pronoun, our father. And what does it mean that our father is in heaven and he's not our father on earth? Like, what's the difference? And I think if we can just slow down and it's besides like Hallowed Be Your Name, which is a bit complicated, <laughs> you know, there's really simple things that we can teach our kids. And I don't know, I, I haven't tired of praying the Lord's Prayer and seeing the depth of it. New applications to each day. So I, I think if nothing else, by the time our kids leave the nest and go away, if they can pray the Lord's Prayer and understand what each phrase means, they will be richly blessed in their prayer life. Like they might go off to college and face this temptation, but they've thought deeply for hopefully 10, 15 plus years, lead us not into temptation and what that means. They might have like a will and a plan and a direction for their life, but if they've been praying, our father in heaven, your will be done, they're going to be a little bit more ready, whether the path goes this way or that way. So I think if a parent's kind of stuck or thinking, I'm new to this, I'm clueless about this, I would say, so are Jesus' disciples. That's why they said, Jesus, teach us. And that's why Jesus didn't give them a 400-page doctrinal statement on prayer. He gave them like 50 words. And in 2,000 years, no one has topped that 50-word prayer. That's beautiful and, and very, very practical. And, and whether, whether you feel like you're doing great with prayer, whether not, man, that if, if we can delve into the Lord's Prayer and help our kids understand it, like you say, it provides an amazing grid for when they run into life and temptation and what do I do with my life and what do I do here and and who is God and uh, it's a beautiful uh, beautiful example and and if you're listening at home, I would just and I would encourage you just just grab your Bible and, and start doing that you know today mm. with your kids and and help them to see. Um, how, how how to pray and, and as you said too, the, the disciples were. I say they were clueless. I say that as a clueless person too. So <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, it's not like I'm better than them. So so I love yes. that. Um, just kind of one other question here, as as we're thinking on prayer, as we're thinking on prayer, teaching our families to pray. Let, let's go. Let's go just slightly bigger picture as. Um, as we're thinking of things to pray for, um, how can we pray for other believers, especially, you know, those around the world? Um, I think that's something we in these United States sometimes forget, or at least some churches forget, not all, but I think sometimes mm -hmm. we can get so caught up in the, the, the close to us that we forget about, you know, mm -hmm. those around the world who are really going through some uh, 
uh, some stuff in the name of Jesus. Yeah. What's something we can pray for for them? Yeah, a great question. <clears throat> and thanks for thinking about that. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, um, I read through the whole New Testament a couple years ago and tried to track what people prayed about. And I found if you, you go through the whole New Testament, Gospels included, if someone was just part of the crowd and not a follower of Jesus, 75% of their prayers were about physical things like feed me, heal me, help me. The crowds want bread. My daughter is sick. Once people are identified as followers of Jesus, like the apostle Paul, if you track their prayers, it flips and three out of four prayers by Christians in the new Testament are spiritual in nature. So when Paul's in prison and he writes what Philippians, Ephesians, uh, Philemon and Colossians. And then later when he's in prison um, in second Timothy track his prayers. And he was not praying like pray that these guards are nice to me, pray that justice is done. And they let me out of here. I didn't do anything wrong. He is so concerned about the global church. Like pray that doors open for the gospel, pray that the people I've left behind and can't minister to stay strong in their faith. Pray that those who are being persecuted in such and such a city remain faithful to Jesus. It's really, it's a, I went to a, a church once and they had a little insert with all the prayer requests from, um, from that week. I counted, there were 45 prayer requests. All of them were physical. Every last one. So wh when do we reach out to our church in prayer? It might be cancer. Would you pray? grandma's not doing well, would you pray? And, th and those are good prayers. They're not wrong. But the New Testament just really shifts our heart to think more spiritually and eternally and globally when we pray. So your question is spot on. And maybe if I was going to give a simple answer, I would say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I'm teaching my kids, but father, you're not just our father here in this house. You're the father of that persecuted Christian in Nigeria who's worried that that group of men is going to come and kidnap their children while they're at school. May your name be so holy and hallowed and magnificent and glorious that they are not afraid when they go to sleep tonight. When they wake up in the morning, satisfy them with your unfailing love that they know whatever happens in this life forever and ever and ever, they're going to see your face. You're their father too. So our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I think there are great ways in that simple prayer, in the words of the Psalms, so many examples to think bigger than just me, my marriage, my home, and my kids. I appreciate that. That is so huge. Just being able to take our eyes off, off of our physical here and now and, mm -hmm. and, and look beyond. And that is, I had not thought of the prayers as you, as you went through it and you described them. Um, in the New Testament, that's fascinating that, that Christ followers, they were focused on, on everything else, really, but mm. themselves. Yeah. And that everybody who was not a Christ follower was all about me. <laughs> yep. That is, that, that is a, a paradigm shift. It is. Truly. And it makes, it makes sense if you look at the Lord's Prayer, because give us today our daily bread is the only specific physical thing on the list. 
But otherwise, the model prayer was about God's name, God's will, God's kingdom, forgiveness of sins, temptation, deliverance from the evil one, the kingdom, the power, and the glory of God. So if you're following Jesus and that's how he's teaching you to pray, you still pray for physical things. And if if my kid had cancer, I absolutely would too. But that is just one thing on a long list of things that your Lord and Savior has been teaching you to communicate to your Father in heaven. Oh, that is true. And that is, I, I know I need to keep that perspective. I know everybody listening uh, needs to keep that perspective too, because um, I mean, that that's what, what scripture tells us. That's you know how Jesus taught his disciples. And um, I think we just need to get that idea in our heads and understand that, that our life is not about us. It is all about, is all about God. And so we are, we've like, run out of time. And I know we could talk for a long, a long time more, and I, uh, but I know we need to wrap up. For those uh, who are listening, who want to know more about you, more about your book, about your ministry, where would you like them to go? Yeah. Timeofgrace.org is the website where you can find this book that I co-wrote with Mark Jeske, The Power of Devoted Prayer. Ooh, we got in our store hundreds of books that we've written over the years. We try to put out about a book a month with our ministry team. And you can catch our TV program there. Uh, we had a, a series called Pray Like a Pro that we recently did. So there's tons of resources on prayer and pretty much everything else at timeofgrace.org. Excellent. So timeofgrace.org. If you're listening, go check it out. I'm going to put it in the show notes uh, along with a link uh, to the book. Uh, so definitely check it out. So Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been awesome. This is um, been really encouraging and, and challenging for me. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Eric. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so will help others to find us. Uh, check out the show notes for resource information. We encourage you to do that for links and other references. We'd like to hear from you so you can message us your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, at Entrusting the Faith, you can email us at info at entrustingthefaith.com. If you go to our website, which is www.entrustingthefaith.com, uh, you can sign up to our email list and receive free resources as well as upcoming podcast episode information. So check it out. Lastly, just remember, legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.